0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees Podcast. So today, I'm delighted to be joined by Andres, Andres Berman. Uh, welcome to the show, Andres.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So I've just been um, once again saying to, uh, to Andres that his voice sounds like treacle. It's, it's so <laughs> it's so silky smooth. It's a voice. It's a voice meant for um, uh, for, for radio or for podcast. And Andres has a a podcast like me, so it's great to connect with a fellow adoptee and a fellow podcaster um, well, thank you so, yeah thank you very much to, yeah and <laughs> you're looking forward to diving into that so the oh. we we spoke um uh, a month or so ago i think it was andres and um we came up with this uh nice a nice wide topic right so we've got we've got lots to explore off of of growth so what what does growth mean to 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 you,
1: Andres? So, growth means to me, uh, growth is basically when the way I see it is when you've gone through something that's difficult and not, it doesn't always have to be unpleasant, but it might be difficult. And growth is when you learn from that and you're able to move past that and learn from your mistakes or learn from the situation as a whole. So yeah. that's what, what growth means to me.
0: Yeah. H- have you come across this term, uh, post-traumatic growth? Have you heard of that?
1: Um, I've heard it in certain circles, yes, I have.
0: Because yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think to me, when I, when I saw that, I thought, finally, right? <laughs> Some, something, that, something that's op- um, optimistic. Something that you know, there's so much in in, in psychology that is uh, that it that is that is a, a negative that gives us a downer. Right, finally we've got something like called post-traumatic growth, and I I googled it right to see how many mentions there were of post-traumatic growth compared to post-traumatic stress disorder, or, and you know, which is a, a term we hear far more, I think. And I can't remember what the exact ratio was, but I think it was something like a thousand to one. So there were billions, there were billions of uh, of results for PTSD, and perhaps, um, uh, sorry, that's now that millions of PTSD, because the UK billions and and British billions are slightly different. But anyway, it was was a factor of something like a thousand to one. Um, so we we have this uh, cultural fixation on, mm. on 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 the negative, and um, stuff that is positive, like post traumatic growth, doesn't really get a a, a look in. Have, have you got a? Has this occurred to you? Um, have you got a, a a take on that, Andres?
1: Um, yeah, I think. Well, I because we've all heard about post-traumatic stress disorder, but the other one is, is not as prevalent in um, society today yet. Now, I think as more people use it and it becomes more of our colloquial sort of speech, I think people will get uh, a better hand on that. And as it gets used more and more, people will be able to relate to it or know somebody who could relate to it uh, in the future. But I think it's just a time. Uh, it's just a time issue. It just needs more time to catch on.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a good point. Um, I heard somewhere a couple of weeks ago that the idea of the world being round took two thousand years to to become the generally perceived view. Right. Two thousand yeah. years.
1: Yeah, that's uh, uh
0: yeah. <laughs> let's, let's hope it doesn't take two thousand years for post-traumatic growth to,
1: to Yeah, yeah. You know, without getting into something political, I think it's 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 humorous that back then, yes, we didn't have telescopes like we have now. We didn't have the you know, satellites and we hadn't been in space, but now we've been there and we've seen it. And it's how can yeah. you how can you yeah. conceivably think that it's it's not brown. I don't know.
0: But. <laughs> um, so, um, what was the what, what's your personal take on on on, on um, your personal growth? So we've we've got we've got big picture and perspective and worldview and stuff. And what, what what about you? How how would you see your your personal growth? Uh, trajectory that's not a word i've used very often I'm quite priority yeah, so. yeah. Um, how, what's your what's your personal growth story been like been like on
1: this? so my personal growth story is basically um it was it was learning that i was adopted because my parents don't look anything like me and it was reconciling that fact with the fact that i have Two wonderful parents who really love me and care about me, and that was that was enormous for me um, because they're such wonderful people. And I, the growth comes in where I realize what my life could have been like had I not been adopted, and um, so I've always been very grateful and very conscientious of of how I live my life because. I want to make sure I do as much as I can, right? Given the opportunities that I have now, because I wouldn't have had a lot of opportunities that I they have now had I stayed in where I was born, which is El Salvador. Yeah.
0: So um, you you used the word recon, reconciling there. What what does that what does that mean? To, to
1: you? So it means that I I weigh the pros and cons about what my life could have been like, and I look at the, the 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 um I guess the economics behind it, where it's not a rich country, it's not um where I'm from is is not a place of wealth, and I probably would have struggled uh, a lot. And so, having said that, I realize that I have such a wonderful life because of my adoptive parents and they've given me chances and opportunities and ways to live my life that I could have never even have dreamed of had I lived or yeah. been born or excuse me, raised in, in El Salvador.
0: Yeah. yeah. How do you see that, your view of that, that, that gratitude? How, how do you see the gratitude um, in other adoptees? i
1: I think that as an adoptee, I think we all have some semblance of of gratitude for where we've been, depending on our, on our circumstances, because there are some circumstances where uh, the adoptee has not been treated well and has gone through a lot of traumatic issues and, and whatnot. Um, but for those who have had a good life, I think that we all, all of us that have that have had that opportunity we all look at it and we look and we see that we've had chances that we wouldn't have had uh with somebody else and so we're we're definitely very grateful for that
0: yeah i um i think it it it, it clearly as you say you spot on on the um on with it. it it it's reflected in our experience depends on our experience um I, and uh, i don't know one of the one of the things i see quite a, a lot of is adoptees being really cheesed off um uh, when that they've been told that, that they they felt that they're being told to feel grateful right yeah and they don't feel grateful so there's a mismatch between how they feel and what other people tell them that they should feel At, and, and I think, well, on, on one sense, I can see the logic of that. And then the other sense, I, if, if we're waiting for somebody else to change, you know, somebody else to change, so, the, so for them to stop telling us to feel grateful before we could be okay, we're, yeah. we're going to be waiting an awful long time. Right?
1: <laughs> yes, you know. Yes,
0: we sure. we are kind of um, we're, we're we're giving them more power over us than yeah. we need to do. Right, and right. I I don't think we're doing this um, intentionally. I don't think we're doing it this on purpose. I think we just haven't figured that out. No, nobody's kind of pointed it out to us that waiting for other people to, to change um, means a long way. And, and uh, I, heard a, I heard a great, I think it, a quote from Churchill on this, which was, other people's opinion of me, uh, what did he say? That's horrible. I can't remember now. <laughs> it's,
2: okay.
0: you know, other, pe- other people's opinions of, of, of me is not my business, not my concern. Like, oh. I, so if, if I focus in, Churchill thinking, right? I right. focus in and, and we focus in on what we can control. We can control the controllables and we, we, we forget about the incontrollables and what other people think of us how they say that we should be, um, how they feel about us, their opinions of us, it's none of our business because we're going to be fighting a really losing battle if we try to change change that time. It's like, like we're putting our happiness on hold or a peace or contentment on hold until they change their mind. And right. that's like just nuts, you know, really.
1: Yeah, how yeah, we, how we, it really how,
0: how is. We do that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, as far as other people's conceptions of me, uh, that that took time um, because it, t- it took maturity to get to the point point. and from speaking for myself, because I cared a lot about what people thought about me. And as I get older, I care less and less. And I'm pretty much at the point where I, like Winston Churchill, I am I am just, I don't care. I really don't care. To some extent, there's a few people that I do care who what they think about me. But for the most part, you know, I do my best to be a good person. But yeah, if you don't if you don't like me, then you don't like me. That's fine. I've got a lot of other people to do. So
0: yeah, yeah. I, it's where we focus. You know, focus. It, it's not like we don't give a, a damn about them. It's yeah, like of course we do. Give a we 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 give a we give a damn about what we do. What we're doing. We're focused. On what we can do, um, and not other people, and I, I, it's, I think I'm on that curve, like you as uh, as well, um, and uh, I had a breakthrough talking to another podcaster about this,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he he said um, I was I was comparing. Metrics. I was comparing numbers of downloads of my podcast compared to other people, another person, and and then um, uh, 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 an Aussie adoptee said to me that I think you're getting the quality of your impact um, confused with the quantity of somebody else's impact. Right? Yes. And 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 in 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 that moment, it's something something um, and a light bulb came on for me that my mentor has been trying to get me to, to look at for about 10 years, right? Where I realized that I would rather be doing this podcast my way than this other person's way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And that only happened just before Christmas last year. Oh, wow. But I, I, for me it, it's it, this is one of those things where it's not a once and once and done learning, it's the same learning at a deeper level.
2: Yes it's,
0: yeah I agree. But, yeah, I agree. so you, like you keep on getting the same lesson at, at, at a at a more holistic level at a more profound level at a deeper uh, at, yes. a deeper level, level yeah.
1: I definitely agree with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think has helped you do this reconciliation, help you um, go through the tough stuff?
2: That's, uh, well, um,
1: I think that learning... I don't remember what age I learned that I was adopted. I mean, I could logically deduce the fact that my parents looked different than I, so I could figure that out. But I'm not sure when they told me, but I knew from a young age that I was different and that I came from a different place. Where did I come from? Well, once I figured out where I came from and did some research and heard stories, uh, and I found out that it's not an easy place to live, Uh, and it's, so that's where I thought to myself, you know, I could be there, I could be living there and, and trying to survive, uh, but I'm not, I'm here in America with, um, this wonderful land that we live on. And I have so many opportunities. And I think at a very young age, I realized that that is a a phenomenal, uh, concept because a lot of kids don't have that um, in in other places in the world, and so I reconciled that by by saying, you know, I could be somewhere else, a lot more unpleasant, and so I'm very grateful for what I have now, and it just kind of the pieces kind of fell together, and, and it just worked out that way, yeah. where I was able to realize that, you know, so yeah, that's that's how that happened.
0: So, because um, we, we there's some different elements in here. I think we're touching on, we're talking about, at one level, we're t- talking about um, economics, right? But at a more fundamental level, you're actually talking about survival. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just um, an economic issue. It's something more, yeah, yeah. more fundamental.
1: Yes, more, yes.
0: M- m- more f- More fundamental,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the reason why... I go to such a a fundamental place in my mind is because when I was born uh, or yeah, when I was born in El Salvador, I was in a hospital and my adoptive parents uh, came and looking for a child to adopt. I was six months old and I was malnourished. Uh, I weighed the same at six months old. I weighed the same as a newborn. Um, And so I was, you know, pretty sickly as an infant. And um, it took my parents a while once they adopted me to get me up to a healthy weight. But I think that it, it, in a very, in a I guess, primal way, I learned to feel grateful for what I have. Um, I think it stems from that from a very, very young age.
0: Yeah. So I mean you you you've used the primal word word there obviously often in this uh, adoption space we hear when we hear the primal word it's it's followed by wound right have you have you felt have you felt primarily wounded
1: No I would have to no. be honest by saying I really don't um uh you know nobody's life is perfect we all have issues yeah. and we've all had mistakes but I feel you know extraordinarily grateful um because of that primal um feeling that i have about who i was and where
2: i came from yeah yeah that makes you quite different i think yes yes very much so
0: so i I, you know i refer to the my primal wound as like a paper cut
2: right Mm.
0: Uh, so it's very, very, uh, very short, <laughs> very, very short, and very fine. And you know, so, some primal wounds at the other end of the spectrum look at something look look more like um, a great white shark has taken a chunk out of somebody's leg. I mean, oh wow! Yeah, it, 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 it's it's a it's a bad one. Um, and um, but I don't know if I've ever found anybody that doesn't feel that. Was there a was there um, a, a degree of of of, of questioning? Yet yeah, you've you've talked a little bit about that
1: uh, of questioning in terms okay,
0: of questioning questioning your background. So you you um, perhaps something that is less uh, emotional um, than the primal wound, but the, it was it was clear to you because you you look differently you look different to your um to your adopted pant- different color to your adopted pattern mm-hmm. um there was a questioning that went on, but it was done with uh, from it was looking at it from a more logical perspective a less less emotional kind of stuff side
1: yeah, I would say that's accurate um i you know i I, I do remember questioning wh- who I was and where I came from. At a a very young age, Um, again, I don't remember exactly when I was told that I was adopted, but I do remember having that thought, like, why do my parents look different than I do? Um, And I wanted to find out, and I wanted to find out more about where I came from. Um, So there was that. But for me, um, the questioning came in was, okay, I'm from this place. But what else is there about me that uh, identifies me as something different than you besides my skin color? And as it turns out, uh, I was or I am uh, of Mayan descent. And there's between, depending on who you ask, there's about six to 10 million um, left of us. But for me, that was huge. That was in, just enormous for me to know that I am of not Mayan descent because. Uh, there's so few of us, and it just helped me feel like I was part of a tribe, part of a, um, you know, a, a bigger th- something bigger than just me, you know. Um, so that was there was that,
0: and, that and, was and there, were, there was there wasn't a clash between that and 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 your um, uh, any other parts of your identity. Uh, those two things could sit in, 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 in peacefully alongside each other.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I think I can compartmentalize the the two and yeah. um separate them and keep them separate. Um But there are, there is a little bit of overlap as well. Um But I think that's just normal. So. Yeah,
0: but there's no tension between the two.
1: Ah, I wouldn't call it tension. No, no. no I wouldn't call I, it I'm tension. Not,
0: I, I'm not fishing. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not fishing, and, and uh, I, as I was thinking, like, am I am I trying to um, gaslight Andres? If you're wondering if I'm trying to like, ask gaslight on, no, no, no I'm not no. at all. I'm, no. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm giving. I guess I'm looking to explore a different, a different sure. take on this, right? Yeah. So because mo- a lot of people s- struggle with this stuff. Yeah, and they um, they a lot of transracial adoptees str- struggle with that stuff, and the um, kind of logical uh, questioning that you're talking about becomes far more um, is far more emotional. So by exploring this, I I think I'm I'm holding I, I'm I'm exploring this to show it, it, it that it doesn't have to be that way in the same way as. When I talk about my pap- my primal wound being a paper cut, right. I'm saying it doesn't have to it, it doesn't have to be that you know, I, I'm putting a different perspective for, forth, and it doesn't yeah. have to be that way. And um, I, so my own take on the, the primal wound, for example, is that for me, and you know you've been very straightforward and clear, you've been talking about your perspective and your experience. From my experience, my experience was that the pro- I didn't believe I was primarily wounded until I read the primal wound. So, for, no. to, 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 to there's an extent to which, um, you know, I had I'd had a couple of intense moments of, um, of fear and, and, and fear and anger towards my birth mother, but I didn't think that I'd been Primarily wounded, but then and I didn't. Well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it that way. I just saw these as two kind of random, bizarre thoughts, right? Not not as a sign of something far bigger, right? Um, and 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 that's why my my primal wound is a is a is a is a paper cut uh, compared to to others others that. I've, spoken to and uh, my heart goes out to them because I know what what that what it felt like the paper wound, uh, sorry the, the the paper cut felt very intense and painful for the 20-40 seconds that I, I had it and I, I wouldn't want to win w- wouldn't that want wish uh, wish that on anybody and also I'm thinking well if if you've had that intensity that I've had for 40 seconds, for 40 years, oh. or for 20 years, or for four years, whatever, then n- no wonder it feels really, really painful, you know? Um, right. And, uh, yeah. and, 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 and by introducing a, a scale of um, a, a continuum, a, a spectrum on which the primal one can be looked at, then we can see, we can hold it up and explore it, and hold it uh, hold it up to the light, uh, rather than it being something, and we can see what it's made of, rather than it just being this um, all-encompassing, dark, dingy place, terrible trauma that we can never, um, can never he- heal from.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true uh i've I've always kept in 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 perspective the fact that you know again I've had a wonderful life you know um uh, but I realize also as I'm doing this um uh, endeavor and learning from other people what they've gone through i I've lived and I said this in a previous um episode of mine that I've lived a very charmed life, and I realize that my wound is. Is basically a bruise compared to other people who, um, as you've said, could be comparable to a shark bite. And that fact is not lost on me. And I'm very grateful for all that I've had because I know there's people out there who've had horrible situations. I mean, I take my wife, for example, uh, who went through a tremendously cruel beginning in her life and, that was in a previous episode as well, but the fact the the point is that there's a lot that could have gone wrong in my life, and i'm i I try to focus on all the stuff that's gone right in my life and how to improve myself and be a better person. so uh, that's as far as wounds go that's that's my perspective,
0: yeah, yeah, and I think the um the the experience after the adoption kind of gets mixed in with the experience pre-adoption. So uh, prime the relinquishment trauma and uh, and and trauma that goes on within the adoptive family can get mi- mixed up. We can separate them out to look at to to look at them and to explore them, but really they're, they're, very, they're very much mixed together in yeah. uh, in because it they happen to one person, right? So separate separating relinquishment trauma and, and, and trauma that goes through it because as you said, like a cruel start to a, a cruel start in life. Um it, it is in a way um I don't know what's the word? it's theoretical. It's abstract, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's, right. se- separating it, it's the it's it's an interesting it's an interesting idea to look at relinquishing trauma and uh, trauma in in the, the the family that we grew up with um but those two things happen to one person so it's all it, it, it's all mixed in it all gets mixed in together and you know and and i I kind of feel the same i I say that my my life has been a, a cakewalk you know compared to you know so um my dad was sometimes a little bit tricky, but that was his personality. He, he was tricky with other people at work. It wasn't anything to do with um, uh, it. wasn't anything to, to do with being a, uh, what he was like um, as a as a father. It was more to do with his personality. He was no, he was he was he was tricky sometimes, and utterly charming, and and caring other times. You know, so like. Um. Uh, yeah if i especially especially when i was working with him i i i kind of like felt the brunt of, of some of his stuff you
1: know so would you say it was like a jekyll and hyde kind of um or not or not really
0: not not as extreme as that he, he just okay. he, he just if you if, if you caught him in a bad bad mood and you question something that he wanted he asked you to do ask me to do then if I questioned it he'd, he'd, he'd give me more work to do you know just uh, it, it was it was more like yeah it was I hope my mum doesn't li- listen to this one right because she'll um, uh, you know it, it was just he was an only child and he was kind of used to getting his own way She was wow. well, for that you know so it was just like if you went to but then it gives you, uh, but but because it was um, slightly inconsistent, you didn't really know which way it was going to go. Right.
1: Uh, right.
0: Yeah. So um, you you talked earlier on about uh, growth, as in uh,
2: learning, learning, uh, learning from
0: growing from as a consequence of going through something that's difficult and also learning from mistakes. Was there a particular reason that you that you said that growth after mistakes?
1: Yes. And the <laughs> reason why I said that was because for the first 38 years of my life, uh, I didn't know that I was, bipolar uh so at age 38 i was diagnosed with bipolar uh, one in that time between being born and <laughs> being diagnosed a tremendous amount of of bad stuff had happened I'm like really bad stuff and i'm not proud of it but at the same time it's just part of my life story who i was uh so, I think that that for me, the the growth comes from l- realizing that there was this situation going on for me that I couldn't help in a lot of ways. I mean, that doesn't I'm not saying i'm I'm absolved from my wrongdoing. I'm saying that I didn't realize why I was doing what I was doing. and so I think that the the growth comes from letting go of that hurt and of the pain and the guilt that I feel for what I've done in my past and learning from it and and growing from that and I think that's paramount and without that there's just you you can't grow if you don't learn from what you've done uh, good or bad and so that's where a lot of that comes from yeah can
0: you can you give us um, any more uh specifics in terms of the, 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 the moment when you, you had your uh, insight uh, along this stuff. Obviously, there must be a moment when you got the diagnosis, right? What, so let me, take you, let me take you back a bit. So um, what, what were the things that led up to the diagnosis? What, what at, at some stop, you must have thought, I, I, I need to check this out. I mean, tell, please share. As much at, as
1: you can. definitely be happy to. Uh, it's interesting. The it's kind of a funny story. the The way that I found out was that I was looking at I was uh, reading some stories online, and it was the Yahoo. Um, we're talking ten years ago. It was the Yahoo homepage, and on this page, you know, they have news articles flashing in front of you and whatnot. And I started reading about Catherine Zeta-Jones. And I thought, oh, she's a good actress. Let, let me find out a little bit about her. Well, it went on to say that she was experiencing these symptoms. And I thought, you know what? That's that's exactly what I'm going through. I'm experiencing that. I didn't know what it was. So then I, I thought, well, that explains my irrational and erratic behavior so i i went to two doctors both of them told me no i wasn't bipolar um and then i went to a third doctor and i told i gave within like 2 minutes of me telling her my symptoms she says yep definitely you're bipolar and it was this epiphany that i had that wait a minute there's a reason why i was such a horrible person in the past. And I'm speaking of myself. I'm not saying that people who are bipolar are horrible people. I'm saying that my experience and my behaviors were horrible. Um, So I had that epiphany and it helped me realize that I can be a better person. I can be a better person. I can get the help that I need and I can do what I need to do to, to be a better person for the people around me because I owe them that much. And So that's what I did. And then 10 years later, I figured out with some help from doctors that I am ADHD as well, which makes sense for some of the symptoms that weren't covered with uh, the bipolar. So I did that. And then in 2015, I created the Bipolar Discovery Group on Facebook. And uh, I think it has like 50,000 likes and followers or whatever um i haven't really touched it recently i've just been so busy Uh but the point is that i had a chance to look at my life and to say you know what you don't have to be this schmuck you can be a good person you know you can be a loving person towards other people and respectful towards other people and that was it that was yeah that's how that happened
0: wow Has any doctor ever tried to put the two things together?
1: Yeah, you mean the bipolar and the ADHD?
0: Uh, No, no, sorry. No, uh, uh, being adopted and and having bipolar or being adopted and having ADHD. Uh,
1: I wouldn't say that they've really tried to put a direct correlation between the two of them. Uh, What we do know about bipolar illness as well as ADHD is that it primarily tends to be uh, genetic Okay, and so if you have a genetic predisposition for it, you, you know, you're more likely to experience some level of that illness.
0: Okay, so, so because it's so that's the it's a very straightforward answer. I didn't ask it very well, so they okay. haven't put it together. They didn't. They haven't put it together because it it it's mainly genetic rather than um, situational or whatever. Correct. Correct.
1: Is. Yeah, it's the whole nature versus nurture.
0: Yeah it's an edge, thing. an edge yeah yeah wow so how has that changed how has that changed your your life over those 20 years ago?
1: it's i i okay i don't even know where to begin It's it's changed yeah. my life so much um, back when I was a kid, they did the testing for ADHD and bipolar. Well, just they did testing on me and I was a kid. But we're talking 1970s uh, when this happened, like early 80s. They didn't have the knowledge that they have now. So I basically slipped through the cracks. And my life has been, it's been a good life. Please don't get me wrong. It's been a good life, but I've made some horrible mistakes. Uh, and I've heard a lot of good people I'm not proud of that, but it's it's just again that's part of my history and part of who I am or who I was. Um, I I think that there could be had I learned earlier about who, all this this illness, I think my life could have been different had I been on medication, had I had the opportunities that um, with the with the opportunities of the medication back then, if they had it back then. I could have had a, a different life, but the life that I have has been good despite despite those um, flaws and follies. Yeah.
0: So, were, were you tested in the seventies as a matter of course, or because of some of the behaviors that you were showing?
1: That's a good question. Um, my parents told—I don't remember it—but my parents told me that I was tested. I don't know if it was for. Um, for any kind of behavioral issue, or if it was because just because it's a standard testing, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I know that I've always had trouble learning, I've always had trouble concentrating, um, but I was marked clear, so nobody really thought anything of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, and and how does? Um, I mean, you, you refer. I talked about my dad, and um, and you said, was it like Jekyll and Hyde? And I said, well, maybe not quite as extreme as that. Is, is that what bipolar looks like? It looks like Jekyll and Hyde.
1: Um, You know, it's it it varies from person to person. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm a I'm a high functioning individual in terms of I'm able to live my daily life and you know just be kind of quote unquote normal. Um, But for some people, it's very disruptive in their their daily lives. Uh, They have a hard time functioning and being present and treating other people with respect or treating themselves with respect. Uh, There is a a high suicide rate with people who are bipolar. Um, I consider myself very fortunate with the fact that I'm able to Think through things and um, put myself in a hospital if I need to go there, uh, which has happened a couple of times in my life. But it's it's not a reflection on the person as an individual of who they are, when their integrity or their character. It's it's their what I what I tell people it's their brain lying to them, telling them these untruths about themselves. And that's where the problems come in. So I, you know, that's, yeah. that's how it's been.
0: Yeah. And did you, did you encounter any other adoptees in the bipolar space, in the bipolar community?
1: I haven't yet. Oh, okay. I haven't yet, but I'm sure there's lots out there. Yeah.
0: But it, you you probably would have done though, if you'd, because you were so involved in the group, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? Um it's in the spaces that, uh, I hang out looking at consciousness, you know, looking at a, a awareness and who we are, uh, underneath our thoughts and feelings. I don't find any, any adoptees at all in those spaces.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Like interesting. They don't like they don't hang out in, in, in that. So, um, I don't know what that what that, uh, <laughs> what that 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 says. You know, I'm in groups and have been in lots of groups l- looking at this stuff. It's, I guess, it's pretty far
2: out. Most people are focused on
0: psychology rather than consciousness.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Consciousness
1: stuff. Sure, and I. There, there's a, there's a big, there is a stigma behind, or associated with, a mental illness, and I think a lot of people, um, shy away from admitting something, like that because they think, oh well, there's a stigma attached to it, and people are going to think this or that of me, and whatnot. Um, I know for me, when I was diagnosed, it was, it was like. I think I even started tearing up because it was an explanation for my behavior. It wasn't an excuse, but it was an explanation. And I finally knew why I was doing what I was doing. And I could, I said to myself, now I can, I can be a better person and I can work on, on treating people better and having a better life. Uh, So, you know, not everybody's willing to say, you know, yeah, Hey, I'm, I'm bipolar or I, or, or anything else, you know, schizophrenic or, or anything because of the stigma. And I'm trying to do what I can to help people realize that, yeah. yeah, there's a stigma, but you can work past that. You can grow from the stigma. You can, you can be bigger than that. Yeah. You, you know, that doesn't have to define you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Th- that there's some incredible um, similarities there between letting it differ Letting bipolar um, uh, define you, and um, letting being adopted define you. Yes. You know, let, letting the primal wound define you. Right. Um, and you said, big, bigger than you know, bigger than that." Uh, I keep on name-checking a, a, a book called High Risk by a guy called Ben, ben Timberlake who was uh, an adrenaline junkie who Mm. became a junkie junkie. Oh, Yeah. And he became a junkie junkie because he decided to start with... Take heroin for two weeks to see what it was like coming off it.
2: Mm.
0: And it took him five years. Five years. And he... He describes the epiphany moment when he started to come off it or the epiphany moment after which he came off it, shall we say. As he said, uh, I I realised that I was bigger than my addiction.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: And it's an eight-hour book. Wow. And and, and It's an eight-hour book and it pivots on that one sentence, and he wow. doesn't describe anything other than that. He just says, I realized that I was bigger than my addiction. Wow. And the power of that insight did the rest of the work. But he doesn't give you any more than that. It's literally just that one sentence.
1: Wow, that's, that's amazing.
0: It's amazing. But that's how big epiphanies are. Yes. That's,
1: that's that's truly incredible. It really is inspiring.
0: Yeah, and and I I, I name check it because I name check the book um, because of that thing, right? He he, it, all he did is he he had a real, you 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 teared up because you you had an explanation. Yes. stuff that for doing stuff that you didn't want. You, you wouldn't have chosen to do I don't know would you yeah the, the, the stuff that you weren't proud of I think is what kind of what you said yeah and yeah. And, and, and it all turned on that it, it all turned on that epiphany moment yes so yes well, one seeing a thing by Catherine G to Jones and two like uh, having the having the explanation uh, having the explanation and having the diagnosis interesting like it it's interesting as well that. The first two people, the first two doctors said no, right? Yeah. They didn't give the diagnosis. The third one said yes. So there's a strange thing. We have this strange thing in the Western world that we think science is a one or a zero, don't we? We think it's
1: yeah. very we, we binary.
0: Think that, you know, it's binary, and, and, yeah. and, uh, and, and doctors know or they don't know. Well, yeah. a lot of it is down to uh, opinion.
1: Yeah yeah that's true I love it and, and there are there are people uh who do get diagnosed with bipolar illness who, who who won't accept it and they say no, no, not me, not me um it's something else and, and there's that stigma again, and that's their that's their own journey you know that's their there's not there's no right or wrong way of responding to it it's it's just whatever your particular uh path is. And so I've just I've come to realize that because some people have reached out to me and they've said, you know, I I've just been diagnosed bipolar and I, you know, can't believe it. I wish it wasn't true. And then I try to tell them, you know, now that you know, you can improve your life. If there's something that about your life that you don't like that is related to it, you can change that. You don't have to be be defined by that, you know.
0: so. Yeah, um, like the first step in doing something about something is realizing that there's a problem in the first place. Like
1: yeah. you're
0: going to be uh, something about the Nile. Denial isn't just a river in Egypt, or something like that. There is the same. Yeah, a good yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah. It's funny with the the primal wound for a bit. I thought I was stuck with it. So your instant reaction to um to the bipolar diagnosis as I, I can I can do something about this now. My instant reaction to the, 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 the primal wound was I'm stuck with this. Ah. Yes. I, I, but it that uh, luckily that didn't hang around for too for, for too oh, long. Like... I was in the in enough spaces um uh, and, and spoke to enough people
2: that Made me see
0: that actually, in in, in my opinion, as I, I, you know, consciousness, who we mm. truly are, awareness, spirit, um, can't be wounded. It's, it's not. A, it's not a thing.
1: So, so, so let me ask you this: So, when you did find out about this primal wound mm-hmm. at the time, did you feel it was self-defining?
2: That's a great word. Um, no, I would say self-restricting. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but did I
0: feel I was primarily wounded? Y- yeah. So that could be self-defining. I guess that could be self-defining. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, it's tricky, seven, eight years ago now. Oh. Yeah. Um, so seven, eight years ago since I read the book. Um, and the, the, so the post-traumatic growth was, for me, was the fact that the primal wound took me down, right? And the metaphor I use for this is, you know, if you've ever been in a, in a swim pool or in the sea and you've got a beach ball or a ball and you're trying to push it down underwater, have you ever done mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you, you push it down and it's hard work to push it down, right. you have to really get on top of it. And, and so, you know, you might push it down a foot, um, but then when it bounces back, it bounces back higher than a foot. It bounces yeah. back two foot. So you've, you've, en- you ended up, you've ended up higher
2: mm.
0: in a better place than where you started out and a better, and a better place than equilibrium. Right. So you, your life has been, um, my life, whatever it was, eight, 8 out of 10. My life was 8 out of 10. It, it dropped down to 6 out of 10. And then it bounced up to 9 out of 10. So, ah. so the growth, the delta is between the 8 and the 9.
1: Right, right.
0: That's what I mean by post-traumatic growth. You, don't, you, you, you bounce back higher than where you originally were.
1: When you started yeah that's, I, started. I, I really like that analogy. I really like that that's that's really good. Uh, and that's how I that. feel <laughs>
0: that's how I feel. I've used that analogy before, but I've never done the numbers. I've never mm-hmm. added the numbers to it. Um, so I think that I think that to, to me that makes it kind of clearer. One of my favorites and um, one of my favorite uh, interesting. Uh, Authors, trainers, speakers, guy, mentors. He, he, he. I I listen to him a lot, and he, and he says, in other words. So you know, he he says so, or from another perspective. He 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 goes. He he explains the same thing in about six or seven different ways. Interesting. He'll give you a. He'll give you a metaphor. Then he'll give you a story. Then he'll give you a word. And then they will give you four more words. Wow. And, it, and it's all the intricacy of it, Yeah. Right? Because different things are going to land for different people, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm, because I know my metaphor of the ball, and I'm, and I'm talking to you about post-traumatic growth, mm. I think that you've got the same understanding of post-traumatic growth as I am. And yeah. you might have. You know, if I say an oak tree to you or a giant redwood, we think we're picturing the same sort of tree, right? Right. But when you say something like post-traumatic growth, my view of what post-traumatic growth could be, and I've just, you know, it may be completely different to yours. So the more detail I can add to it, the more different light and shade and the more specific I can be in, or different ways I can find of expressing that same thing, the more likely it is for you to, to land. So I, I like the fact, obviously listening to this guy yeah. Has, has, has helped me because I've explained that I've used that metaphor 10, 20 times, but I've never added the numbers in. Yeah. So my life was an eight going along reading Primal Wound takes me down to seven. Then bouncing back, I bounce back higher, bounce back to a nine because I realize the mistake that I've made. right? The, the, the mistake you, 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 um, I love the way that you said, uh, that uh, bipolar is a, a, a you, know, you. You summed it up really succinctly and clearly. You said it's like the brain's telling lies. Mm. Well, I, I, I think all of our brains tell us lies, and I, I would guess um, that bipolar lies are just turbocharged lies.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, um... it,
0: it's it's a different it's a it's a difference of degree.
1: Yeah, I think think the major difference is that with bipolar, people without bipolar, when your brain tells you lies, uh, then you can, you know, normally you can say, no, that's not true. Or, you know, uh, you're just having a feeling, you're just having an emotion, just let it go, let it pass. But with people who have bipolar, I think that um, they don't have that filter. They don't have the way of discerning what is a lie and what's not a lie. And that's where it becomes dangerous because they start to really believe what their brain is telling them. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's where it gets
0: problematic. Yeah. So it's just one way. There's no, there's, there's no alternative perspectives. It's, you, you're not, you're not, that's, so when you said about reconciling, you were uh, weighing up pros and cons. So you had two perspectives. To, to you know, the weighing you know the pros and cons of being adopted. Right. Um, in bipolar, there's there's only cons or only pros. There isn't both.
1: There. There are cons hidden or masked. Oh, as pros. Oh, and, right, Okay. And oh, oh, I, all right. Okay. I do, you know yeah, what I'm saying? I, think I get it. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. So so basically, when if you're if you're going through the phase of mania where you're manic um you may think of 30 different things you want to do uh write a book start a podcast uh you know create your own movie uh you know write a, your own memoirs or whatnot just do all kinds of, cr- of really creative stuff and what it's it's your brain just cycling rapid you know just going spinning at 100 miles an hour and then when you just, Gotten the first word on the page of a book you want to write, or then it just poof it disappears. It goes away, and then you're left with all this stuff that you've bought for a book. You know, maybe you bought a brand new computer, and then you got a, you bought a most expensive printer, and then you you know all this stuff that all the resources that you've put into this project uh, it has now cost you one a lot of money, two a lot of time. And three, your sanity, because you just, you can't figure out why you wanted to start all these projects and now you have no interest in them whatsoever. And so it seems like a pro, it seems like a a positive thing, you know, I'm going to do all these great things, but it's a con. I mean, in the, in the sense that it's negative because now you have all this stuff and you're not going to do anything with it. I've been there, done that. <laughs> At first, when I thought I when I started this podcast, um, my my own podcast, I thought, is this really genuinely something I want to do, or am I? Is this sort of part of my manic behavior? And it's been well, I think about six months now. And usually, I I peter out around, you know, like the second month. And then that's when I say, okay, I'm done with that project, whatever. So it's been six months. I'm really into it. I really love doing it. And I really love, really love the idea of helping people and talking to people like you. And just, you know, it it's really what I want to do. So, but yeah, it does. It does that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Is there, um, a, a, you got to check out uh, Andres's um Podcasts, everybody. There's links. It's called the Adoption Door. Um, so links to it in the in, in the show notes. um Is there anything else that you'd like to say, Andres?
1: Um, well, I just want to say thank you very much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. I've had a great time, and um, I'd love to have you on my show.
0: Yeah, let's make that happen. Thank you very much, listeners. Thanks for listening, and um, we'll speak to you again very
2: soon. Bye bye.